Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I was 17 years old, athletic, took a dive, and bang, I, I can't use my hands, I can't move, my legs, everything's paralyzed. I'm a quadriplegic. The doctor announced that I had severed my spinal cord at the fourth cervical level, that I'd never use my hands or my legs for the rest of my life, and he walked out of the door. I can't live like this. And I just sank into depression. A Christian friend shared with me, Johnny, God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. I realized God takes no pleasure in my spinal cord injury, but he loves the way he is changing me in it and encouraging others through it. Psalm 10 says that God hears the cry of the afflicted. His heart goes out to those with disabilities. He is filled with compassion for those with special needs. I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. I'm a Christian, author, speaker, advocate, painter. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I do all those things. But I do them because I want people to know the God that I love. I would not trade this intimacy with God, this sweetness, this nearness, this tenderness, this preciousness of, of faith come alive in my life. I wouldn't trade it for any amount of walking. There are one billion people with disabilities in the world, 80% of whom live in developing nations. That is, to me, overwhelming. I want to do everything I can to make a difference in their lives. I think God is using people with disabilities to wake up the church. God is up to something big. Este es mi libro, mi historia. Si, en este es de libro. Outwardly, our bodies are wasting away, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. It looks as though the foot pedals need to come up just a little bit. Certainly. My husband, Ken, and I love doing Johnny and Friends together. Whether it's going to a family retreat and hanging out with other couples, whether it's delivering wheelchairs and Bibles. Is a Bible in the Spanish language? We want to get the word out. God has not abandoned those with disabilities. No, he is working through them. God's power always shows up best through weakness. The Bible says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Defend the rights of the weak and the needy. And we do that at Johnny and Friends. Through our Christian Institute on Disability, we are advocates. We are championing the disabled, whether it's right to life, end of life issues, physician assistance, suicide, euthanasia. We speak God's truth. Johnny and Friends stands for the spark that started the movement to take the gospel where the world is bleeding out of control. I want to be there. I've got a message to share. I would rather be in this wheelchair knowing him than on my feet without him. And that is worth living for. Happy worship service, everyone, and thank you for that warm welcome. And I'm so grateful to Pastor Shore, and especially to Dallas Franks, Director of Special Needs Ministry here at Center Street Church. You friends, this church, are so well known, not only in Canada, but across North America, 
for what you are doing to advance the love of Christ among special needs family, and I'm honored to be with you. And get involved, consider volunteering, support the work of the special needs outreach here at Center Street Church, because you guys are making the gospel famous. Maybe you saw me, maybe you did not, but I was dancing with Tim down here in the front. Hallelujah, hallelujah, your love makes me sing. And I just have to sing. I love to sing. But I'll tell you one thing, I sing because I have to. I think back on much darker days when I wanted to cry sitting in that hospital, lying in that hospital bed, depressed, despairing, being told I was a quadriplegic after having had that diving accident. I'd never use my hands, my legs. I wanted so much to cry, but instead I would sniff back the tears, and I held on to the only thing I knew, hymns. And off at night, I would sing, Jesus, Jesus, hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. The song reflected a favorite portion of scripture, a scripture that when people would come to visit me in the hospital and asked if I wanted to hear anything out of the Bible, I would always ask them to turn to John chapter 5. Let me read it for you now, and I think you'll understand why. Because there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Then Jesus said to him, get up and walk. I cannot tell you how many times at 2 a.m. when visiting hours were over and it was dark and my roommates were asleep, I would picture myself by the pool of Bethesda. I saw myself paralyzed, maybe lying on a straw mat next to that man who was also disabled. And I'd be anxiously waiting for Jesus in my mind's eye to walk into the five covered colonnades and come near me and, and I would beg him, plead him to touch me, heal me. Jesus, Jesus, heal my, heal, heal me. Hear my humble cry. While when others are calling, don't pass me by. But after nearly two years in that institution, it seemed my hands and my feet never got the message. When I got out of the hospital, my sister J.K. invited me to come and live with her on the Maryland farm. And I'll never forget one morning she was getting me up out of bed and we happened to flick on Christian television and there was an advertisement about a famous faith healer who was going to be coming to town. Well, I got very excited and so she did, she did she. And so next Friday night when the faith healing service was about to start, we were there. The ushers escorted us into this big ballroom in the Washington, D.C. Hilton Hotel. And they took us over to the wheelchair section where I was seated with maybe 
I don't know, 50, 75 other people with disabilities like me, all coming, waiting, hoping to experience a healing. The faith healer walked onto the stage and the lights came up and music played and testimonies were given, scriptures were read and, and then the spotlight kind of shifted over to the corner of the ballroom and it seemed as though way over there, there were healings happening. People were clapping and applauding and getting so excited. And, and, and then the faith healer prayed more prayers and the spotlight shifted again, this time to the other side of the ballroom. More applause, more cheers. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, hey, spotlight, hey, Holy Spirit, come over here in the wheelchair section where all the hard cases are. <laughs> but um, the spotlight never made it to the wheelchair section. And the ushers came to escort us out early. And there I was, number 15, in a long line of people with disabilities waiting at the elevator. And I could hear the music still playing on the other side of the wall. And I could still hear the applause and cheers. And I look up and down this long line of people, all of them disappointed like me. And I thought to myself, something's wrong with this picture. What kind of savior, what kind of rescuer, what kind of deliverer, what kind of healer would refuse the prayers of an earnest and sincere paralytic? And I thought to myself, okay, if I'm not gonna be healed, then I'm not just gonna live this way. I'm not gonna live this way. And soon a bitter root, a real spirit of complaining began to take hold. And nothing that anybody did for me was good enough. Every hurdle I faced became a reason to feel sorry for myself. And most of all, Jesus seemed so far and distant. And if I could not be healed, then I told my sister Jay, just close the drapes turn out the light, shut the door, and leave me alone. I don't want to get up this morning. A week, two weeks went by, and I simply laid in a dark bedroom day after day. But finally, something in me just couldn't live this way anymore. And another hymn surfaced to my heart. Abide with me. Fast falls the eventide. When darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. And uh, it was my first plea for help. And I cried out to God, oh Lord Jesus, if I can't die, then please show me how to live. It was my first honest to goodness prayer, not for healing necessarily, but for help from God. And those were days when in the morning my sister would come in the bedroom and I would then ask her to draw the drapes turn on the light, put on some music, 
put me through my bed bath routines, my range of motion exercises, get me up in my wheelchair, because I want to live. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to live. Those were also mornings when she, after breakfast, would push me into the living room and sit me in front of a, a, a music stand, much like this one, and plop my big Bible on it and put my mouth stick in my mouth. And since my fingers and hands don't work, I would furiously turn, flip pages this way and that, desperately hoping, looking for answers, trying to make sense of it all. Of course, I was still very interested in what the Bible had to say about healing. And I found out in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, because we see there Jesus performing all kinds of healings all throughout the day and long past sunset. The next morning, the crowds return. Simon and his companions search for Jesus, but he is nowhere to be found. He had gotten up early and gone to a solitary place to pray. Finally, they locate him. And they tell him about this crowd of disabled people, diseased and sick people at the bottom of the hill, all of them looking to be healed. But Jesus replies to them in the 38th verse. He says this, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also, for this is why I have come. And that's when it hit me. It's not that Jesus did not care about all those people at the bottom of the hill looking to be healed. It's just that their physical problems weren't his main focus. The gospel was. The gospel that says sin kills, hell is real, but God is merciful. His kingdom can change you, and Jesus is your passport. And whenever people miss this, whenever they only came to the Savior just to get their problems and pains fixed, the Savior would always back away. No wonder I've been so depressed. I was mainly into Jesus to get my problems and my pain and paralysis fixed. Yes, Jesus cares about suffering, and he spent most of his time on earth relieving it. But the Gospel of Mark showed me his priorities because the same Son of Man who healed withered hands and opened blind eyes is the same man who said, if that hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If that eye leads you to stray, gouge it out. I got the picture. To me, healing had always been the big deal. But to Jesus, the bigger deal was a deeper healing. And that's when I started searching. I started searching for a, a deeper, deeper kind of healing, a Psalm 139 kind of healing that says, search me, O God, and try me, and test me, and see if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. 
And for the last 49 years in my wheelchair, God has been doing exactly that. He's been answering. He's been squeezing the lemon, so to speak, exposing sin, exposing self-centeredness, exposing selfishness in my life, things in my heart from which I really do need to be healed, peevish attitudes, sour dispositions, doubting, complaining, worry, anxiety, fears of the future, things from which I need to be healed and I am so far from finished. God is always searching, always testing, and he keeps using my weakness. My weakness as though it were a lemon, squeezing the not-so-pretty stuff of which I'm made and exposing the sour disposition that I can sometimes have because we are all not the paragons of virtue that we'd like to think we are, are we? Sadly, most Christians, myself included, often do not appreciate the sanctifying effect of weakness. We try to ignore it, those lemons in our life that God squeezes hard to expose the stuff of which we're made, really made. We are embarrassed by our weaknesses. We mitigate them, we minimize them, hide them. We certainly don't want to talk about them. We're ashamed of them. But listen to what Andrew Murray explains about it. He shares their value so well when he says, quote, the Christian often tries to forget his weakness, but God wants us to remember it and to feel it deeply. The Christian wants to conquer his weakness and to be freed from it, to be done with it. But God wants us to rest and even rejoice in it. The Christian mourns over his weakness, but Christ teaches his servant to say, I take pleasure in infirmities, and most gladly will I glory in them. The Christian thinks that his greatest hindrance is his weakness, but God tells us that is the secret of strength and success. It is our weakness heartily accepted and embraced and continually realized, not just occasionally, but continually realized, that gives our claim and access to the strength of him who said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so I thank God for the lemon of my quadriplegia. I thank God six years ago when I had stage three cancer, I thank God that daily, yes, I even have to thank him for this, daily I live with chronic pain because these things press me. They push me and shove me up against the breast of my Savior, Jesus, where otherwise I might not be humanly inclined to go. My suffering, your suffering, is like a sheepdog snarling and snapping at our heels, driving us down the road to Calvary, where otherwise we might not go. And friends, I experience it every morning. Please don't be think that, thinking that almost 50 years in this wheelchair makes me an expert. I'm no professional at this. I'm no veteran at this. No, every morning I wake up, and it is hard. Often, my head is on the pillow. My eyes are closed. Ken, my husband, is off running errands, and I can hear my friends in the kitchen running water for coffee, and 
And I'm lying there with my eyes closed thinking, oh God, I am so tired of this quadriplegia. I don't think I can tolerate somebody coming into this bedroom again to put me through this two-hour routine of bed baths and range of motion exercises and doing my toileting routine and wiping my backside and getting me dressed and strapping on my corset and putting in my wheelchair and pushing me to the bathroom and brushing my teeth, brushing my hair, blowing my nose. Oh, Jesus, I'm so tired. My eyes aren't even open yet, and I'm still thinking this, right? Isn't it interesting that battles for the day are fought, and they're often won or lost, in those few seconds right after you wake up and your eyes are still closed? But then I open them, and I say to Jesus, I can't do quadriplegia, I can't. But I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. Jesus, I have no resources for the day, but you do. I have no energy for the day, but you do. I have no smile for these girlfriends who are going to come in here in a minute and get me up in my wheelchair, but you do. Please, may I borrow your smile. And I tell you what, by 7.35 in the morning, he gives me his smile, and I have joy hard fought for and sent straight from heaven. And maybe the really handicapped ones are those who, when their alarm clock goes off, they throw back the covers, jump out of bed, scarf down breakfast, perhaps give God a speedy tip of the head of a quiet time for 10 minutes, and then they zoom out the front door on automatic cruise control. Did you know that if you live life that way, God resists you? In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says that God resists the proud. Who are the proud? Well, they're often Christians. Christians who think to themselves, you know, I got saved 10, 15, 20 years ago, 30, and I've been to lots of Bible studies, and I attend prayer meeting, and I pretty much got the lay of the land of this Christian thing. So, God, I'm going to go out the front door and live my day as I think I can live it. And if anything arises or crops up that requires your attention, I'll be certain to check in with you. But you know what, Jesus? I kind of got it from here. I can do this thing. God resists people like that. But he gives grace, grace upon grace to the humble. Who are the humble? They are the ones who own their weakness, who own it, who embrace it in order to find the power and the strength and the beauty of the Savior, who also was made powerful through his own weakness. I'll never forget being in Africa, delivering wheelchairs. Our ministry at Johnny and Friends delivers thousands of wheelchairs around the world. And I was with one team in Africa, and we were setting up the wheelchair distribution, and I noticed coming early before things got started was an African man dragging himself on the floor by his hands with his paralyzed legs uh, being drugged behind him. And when he saw me, he recognized me, and he leaned back on his haunches, and he spread up and opened wide his arms and said, Oh, Johnny, welcome to our country, where God is so much bigger. 
and he's bigger because we need him more. God always seems bigger to those who need him most, and God always seems very small to those who need him little. But the ones who own their weakness, the ones who push through the pain, they are the ones, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, they are the ones who are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, having nothing, but yet possessing everything, being poor, but making many, many rich. Jesus is ecstasy beyond compare, and it is worth anything, anything to be his friend. So don't be ashamed of the weakness. Don't be embarrassed. Don't hide it. Don't minimize it. No. Boast in your weakness, the Apostle Paul says. Glory in your infirmities. Delight in the limitations, for then you know God's power rests on you. And now, now I don't sing because I have to. I sing because I want to. I cannot help but sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. If his eye is on the sparrow, I know he watches me. And it's why I am so looking forward, so looking forward to heaven. Oh my goodness, there will be praise songs there for all of eternity. And so until I get there, oh my goodness, I'm not going to waste one day of my suffering. I'm not going to waste it, and I don't want you to either. I'm not going to waste my weakness down here on earth. If God permits lemons in my life, I am going to partner with his Holy Spirit to make it lemonade. And I'll give you the recipe for lemonade. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Quote, do everything without complaining. Can we do it? Is it possible? Well, the Apostle Paul seems to think it is. And I venture to say, so does the Holy Spirit. We don't need to live on our peevish attitudes when we wake up in the morning with a sour disposition. Let that sour disposition drive you into the arms of Jesus. Confess before him there, Jesus, I'm just full of rotten lemons. I've got such an awful disposition about this day. I can't do life on my own. I require you urgently. Please show up in my life. I tell you, that's the Christian way to wake up in the morning. That's the biblical way to wake up. That, that's the only way to wake up in the morning. If you're feeling sour and peevish, if you're feeling grumbly and full of complaints, let those things drive you to the throne of God, where first you'll receive mercy and cleansing and then grace to help you in your time of need. And I want to put every sin that I possibly can behind me. There's lots more in my life that needs to be exposed. There's lots more that I need to confess. Our whole adventure in life is to strive to be holy as he is holy. And in order to do that, we've got to discover what we're made of. And suffering is the textbook 
that teaches us who we really are. And so don't waste it. Let those weaknesses expose what needs to be confessed before God. Because heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. And it's a holy habitation that has been prepared for people who, with the Holy Spirit's help, have made themselves holy. Heaven is coming, and I'm going to have a new heart. People often think that I'm most excited about having a new body in heaven, but no way. Sure, I'm going to enjoy jumping up, dancing, and kicking, and doing aerobics, and Tim and I are actually going to stand up on legs that are walk, right, Tim? And we're going to really dance together, right, guy? But I venture to say that Tim would agree with me. We're not looking for the new body. I want a new heart. A heart, a heart that no longer twists the truth. A heart that no longer feels trapped by my circumstances. A heart that no longer resists God or looks for an escape. A heart that doesn't wake up with a peevish attitude or a sour disposition. A heart that will not get defeated by chronic pain. A heart that is no longer anxious or worrisome or fearful about the future. Oh my goodness, that is gonna be heaven for me. Oh, that will be glory for me, <clears throat> glory for me, glory for me when by his grace I shall look on his face. <clears throat> that will be glory. <clears throat> big, <clears throat> big glory for me. And on that day, God is going to close the curtain <clears throat> on sin and suffering and Satan and to lift the veil on our five senses and we will see the whole universe in plain sight. And at that point, something so grand and glorious is going to happen that it will suffice for all of our wounds and hurts and disappointments. Something so grand and glorious is going to occur that it will atone for every painful weakness and hard-hit suffering that we've had to endure. And I can't wait for that day. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have my body then and new lungs that work better. And I'm gonna stand up on resurrected legs and I can't wait perhaps even to take my wheelchair with me to heaven, who knows? Because if I can, I'll put it right over there and then I'm gonna be standing next to my savior and I'll hold on to his hand. And I'll know who recognized me as the one who came often to him every morning, running to the inner sanctum of the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, needing his mercy, requiring his grace. And I will say to him, oh Jesus, you were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble. That thing was a lot of trouble. But Jesus, the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 
And now if you want, you can send that wheelchair to hell if you wish. <laughs> Actually, no. I have thought lately that perhaps maybe I do want my wheelchair in heaven as a constant eternal reminder of the blessed occasion that it gave me of needing Jesus desperately. Some time ago, my husband Ken and I had a chance to visit the Holy Land. Oh, it was wonderful. It was so great. My husband arranged the whole itinerary, and I really didn't know what was coming next, but on the morning that we woke up to go into the old city of Jerusalem, he put me in my manual pushchair, and he pushed me through the Jaffa Gate, and then we bumpity-bump-bump-bumped down the cobblestone steps of the Via Della Rosa, and bumpity-bump-bump past the Arab Bazaar, smelling the wonderful spices and hearing that exotic music. And we bumpity-bumped further down the cobblestone street, and there on the right was the Temple Mount. We made a left-hand turn past St. Anne's Church, and then, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, would you look at that? Ken, it's the Pool of Bethesda. We had the whole place to ourselves. All the Benny Hinn tour buses must have been down at the Red Sea. <laughs> Ken! Ken, you would not believe how often when I was in the hospital so many, many years ago, I used to imagine myself right here, right, 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 right here. At that point, Ken pole vaulted over the guardrail to the ruins and began running down into the cisterns to find water to see if there really was anything left in the pool of Bethesda. But I sat there alone, huge tears rolling down my cheeks. And in that, on that dry, dusty afternoon, I, I blubbered my thanks to Jesus. And I said, oh, Jesus, I cannot believe that you have waited almost 38 years to bring me here, as long as that man was paralyzed by the pool. But you brought me here to thank you, because I begged you to help me get out of this wheelchair and be healed, but you, you knew that a no answer to that prayer would purge sin from my life and make me more holy. You knew that it would increase my compassion for others who hurt. You knew that it would put complaining behind me. You knew that it would stretch my hope, push me to give thanks in times of sorrow, and increase my faith and make me love you more. Thank you, Jesus. Perhaps tonight you see yourself at the Pool of Bethesda, number 15 in a long line of people waiting to get your problems fixed. Well, God may remove your suffering, and if he does, that will be great cause for rejoicing. But if not, he will use it to remove anything and everything in your life that stands in the way of his sanctifying work in your heart. So do as William Law told the church centuries ago, receive every inward and outward trouble, every disappointment, darkness, and desolation with both your hands as a blessed occasion of dying to yourself and entering into a fuller fellowship with your Savior. Look at no inward or outward trouble in any other view. Reject every other thought about it. And then, 
every kind of trial and distress will become the blessed day of your spiritual prosperity. And that's the truth. If you want to experience that, I invite you to pray with me right now. And I want you to do so by singing with me as I so love to sing. I love singing hymns. I'll sing with anybody, anywhere, any hymn. But sing this hymn as your prayer to God to put the complaining behind you and partner with this Holy Spirit and letting him squeeze you. Show the stuff of which you're made, confess it to God, and move forward in a fuller, richer, more joyful fellowship with your Savior. So sing this prayer with me. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. The potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. A little louder, sing it from your heart. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. Sing that last part again. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.